0: chapter three tales of lonely trails by zane gray this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter three roping lions in the grand canyon part eight how long jim and i sat there we never knew the second tragedy not so pitiful but as heart-sickening as the first crushed our spirits sure he was a game lion said jim and i'll have to get his skin i'm all in jim i couldn't climb out of that hole i said you needn't rest a little take a good drink and leave your canteen here for me then get your things back there on the trail and climb out we're not far from west point i'll go back after the first lion's skin and then climb straight up you lead my horse to the point where you came off the rim he clattered along the gorge, knocking the stones and starting down. I watched him letting himself over the end of the huge slabs, until he passed out of my sight. A good long drink revived me, and I began the ascent. From that moment on time did not matter to me. I forgot all about it. I felt only my leaden feet and my laboring chest and dripping skin. I did not even notice the additional weight of my rifle and camera, though they must have overburdened me. I kept my eyes on the lion runway and plunged away with short steps. To look at these towering walls would have been to surrender. At last, stumbling, bursting, sick, I gained the rim and had to rest before I could mount. When I did get into the saddle, I almost fell from it. Jones and Emmett were waiting for me at the promontory where I had tied my horse, and were soon acquainted with the particulars of my adventure, and that Jim would probably not get out for hours. We made tracks for camp, and never did a place rouse in me such a sense of gratefulness. Emmett got dinner, and left on the fire a kettle of potato stew for Jim. It was almost dark when that worthy came riding into camp, we never said a word as he threw the two lion skins on the ground Fellas, you sure have missed the wind-up he exclaimed we looked at him and he looked at us was there any more i asked weakly Sure, and it beats hell when i got the skin of the lion the dogs killed i started to work up to the place i knowed you'd leave my horse it's bad climbing where you came down i got on the side of that cliff and saw where i could work out if i could climb a smooth place so i tried there was little cracks and ridges for my feet and hands all to once just above where i helped you down i heard a growl looking up i saw a big lion bigger'n any we chased except sultan and he was poking his head out of a hole and sure telling me to come no further i couldn't let go with either hand to reach my gun because i'd have fallen so i yelled at him with all my might he spit at me and then walked out at a hole over the bench as proud as a lord and jumped down where i couldn't see him any more i climbed out all right but he gone and i tell you for a minute he sure made me sweat by george i yelled greatly excited i heard that lion breathing don chased him up there I heard hard wheezing breaths somewhere behind me, but in the excitement I didn't pay any attention to them. I thought it was Jones panting, but now I know what it meant. "'Sure, he was there all the time, looking at you, and maybe he could have reached you.' We were all too exhausted for more discussion, and, putting that off until the next day, we sought our beds. It was hardly any wonder that I felt myself jumping even in my sleep, and started up wildly more than once in the dead of night.' morning found us all rather subdued yet more inclined to a philosophical resignation as regarded the difficulties of our special kind of hunting capturing the lions on the level of the plateau was easy compared to following them down into canyons and bringing them up alone we all agreed that that was next to impossible another feature which before we had not considered added to our perplexity and it was a dawning consciousness that we would be perhaps less cruel if we killed the lions outright jones and emmett arrayed themselves on the side that life even in captivity was preferable while jim and i no doubt still under the poignant influence of that last lion's heroic race and end inclined to freedom or death we compromised on the reasonable fact that as yet we had shown only a jackass kind of intelligence about eleven o'clock while the others had deserted camp temporarily for some reason or other i was lounging upon an odorous bed of pine needles the sun shone warmly the sky gleamed bright azure through the openings of the great trees a dry west breeze murmured through the forest i was lying on my bed musing idly and watching a yellow woodpecker when suddenly i felt a severe bite on my shoulder i imagined an ant had bitten me through my shirt in a moment or so afterward i received this time on my breast another bite that left no room for imagination there was some kind of an animal inside my shirt and one that made a mosquito black fly or flea seem tame suddenly a thought swept on the heels of my indolent and rather annoying realization could i have gotten from the navajo what jim and jones so characteristically called them i turned cold all over and on the very instant i received another bite that burned like fire the return of my companions prevented any open demonstration of my fears and condition of mind but i certainly swore inwardly during the dinner hour i felt all the time as if i had on a horsehair shirt with the ends protruding toward my skin and in the exaggerated sensitiveness of the moment made sure M were chasing up and down my back after dinner I sneaked off into the woods. I remembered that Emmett had said there was only one way to get rid of em, and that was to disrobe and make a microscopical search of garments and person. With serious mind and murderous intent I undressed. In the middle of the back of my jersey I discovered several long, uncanny gray things. "'I guess I got em,' I said gravely. Then I sat on a pine-log in a state of unadorned nature— oblivious of all around intent only on the massacre of the things that had violated me how much time flew i could not guess great loud ha ha's roused me to consternation there behind me stood jones and emmett shaking as if with the ague it's not funny i shouted in a rage i had the unreasonable suspicion that they had followed me to see my humiliation jones who cracked a smile about as often as the equinoxes came and emmett the sober mormon laughed until they cried i was just wondering what your folks would think if they saw you n- now gurgled jones that brought to me the humour of the thing and i joined in their mirth all i hope is that you fellows will get em too i said the good lord preserve me from that particular breed of navvies cried emmet jones wriggled all over at the mere suggestion now so much from the old plainsman who had confessed to intimate relations with every creeping crawling thing in the west attested powerfully to the unforgettable singularity of what i got from Navy. I returned to camp, determined to make the best of the situation, which, owing to my failure to catch all of the grey devils, remained practically unchanged. Jim had been acquainted with my dilemma, as was manifest in his wet eyes and broad grin with which he greeted me. I think I'll scalp the navvy, he said. You make the Indians sleep outside after this snow or no snow, was Joan's suggestion. No, I won't. I won't show a yellow streak like that besides, I want to give them to you fellows.' A blank silence followed my statement, to which Jim replied, "'Sure, that'll be easy. Jones'll have 'em, so Emmett, and by thunder I'm scratchin' now.' "'Navy, look here,' I said severely. "'Mucha no bueno. heap bad. You, me. Here I scratched myself, and made signs that a wooden Indian would have understood. Me savvy,' he replied sullenly, then flared up, "Heap big lie.' He turned on his heel, erect. Dignified, and walked away amid the roar of my gleeful comrades. End of chapter three, part eight.